Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Folks, happy Tuesday to you, and w- and welcome to our Fourth of July Eve edition of Next on the T. I'm your host Chris Mascaro, and tonight I'm looking forward to sharing three really fantastic guests with you. First up, I'm going to be joined by my Thursday night tailgate co-host Bob Lazari. If you recall, a couple of weeks ago, Bob joined me as co-host here on this show for the first time, and he brought with him. Travelers Championship Tournament Director Nathan Grube, and we got to spend some time with Nathan looking ahead at that time to the Travelers Championship, which was played a couple of weeks ago, and, and talking about all the things that they do in order to get the top players of the world to go play there the week following the U.S. Open. Typically, the top players skip the tournament before and after a major, but they don't skip the Travelers, and for some very good reasons. So we'll revisit that conversation and the reasons why they come and play at the Travelers every year. Plus, we'll talk about Bubba Watson's dramatic victory and a whole lot more when Bob joins me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from renowned golf uh, course architect and one of Golf Inc. Magazine's most innovative people in the game of golf, and that's Bill Bergen. We'll talk about the projects that Bill's working on now, plus I'll get some thoughts on what we saw at the U.S. Open, both the tournament, right, tournament-wise, plus as, you know, as the USGA set up that golf course. As a, as a golf course designer, to Bill's eye, you know, what, what does that mean when things start to head south like they did on the Saturday of that tournament, right? So Bill, you know, as a player, played out on the PGA Tour for many years, played in three U.S. Opens, played in two Open Championships. So he, he knows both sides of the equation, right? Trying to play a U.S. Open golf course and in that tournament. And then, like I say, as a designer and what the course set up and how challenging you can make it before you go over the edge. So we'll talk about all that and a whole lot more when Bill joins me a little bit later on in this half hour. Then we'll round out tonight's show with a return visit from Top 100 instructor Tom Patry. As you know, Tom has joined me several times here over the last few weeks. He helped run the practice facility at Shinnecock Hills during the U.S. Open. So he'll have yet another perspective on what happened out there, right? He'll, he'll give us sort of the, what was it like on the grounds, right? What, what were the players saying? What were the caddies saying? What were the people at the practice facility saying about what was going on there at Shinnecock Hills? We'll hear about that and, and probably get a playing lesson or two from Tom as well when he joins me a little bit later on in this hour. So a lot of great insights coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me over the next hour. Before we get started, though, I want to remind you about our good friend Matthew Lawrence and his show Backspin Golf, which airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. It's my regular Sunday, 8.03 a.m. Tea Time. It is broadcast on WLXG ESPN Radio AM 1300 up in Lexington, Kentucky. You can stream it live by going online to WLXG.com or do what I do which is download the uh, WLXG app and stream it right there on your smartphone. And you guys know how much I think of Matthew, and it's a great way to start your Sunday mornings. His equally fantastic twin brother, Mitchell, 
who will be joining me, oh, by the way, next week here on the show, also does a wonderful golf show that marries golf and travel. It is called Talking Golf Getaways, which you can find online at golfnewsnet.com or over on Audioboom. He and his co-host, Darren Bunch, travel all over the world, and they let you know about great places to play, stay, and even eat while you're there. Again, it's called Talking Golf Getaways, and you can stream it on golfnewsnet.com or over on Audioboom. And, folks, as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our good friend Steve Rondonero about the great things they have going on up there. Play legendary golf at French Lick Resort, the only place in the country where you can play courses by two Hall of Fame designers on the same property. Our Pete Dye and Donald Ross courses offer two very different challenges. Experience them both and save with our Hall of Fame package. Our two historic hotels are unique as well. Cap it off with a fun visit to the French Lick Casino. Check us out online at FrenchLick.com. Bring a group and save even more. Play legendary golf this season at French Lick Resort. Yeah, folks, go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place it is and to book your stay as well. And, folks, you've heard me talking about Clubhub sensors over the last almost year now, and it is the best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out there on the market. Other shot trackers tell you what happened. Clubhub is going to tell you what happened and why. Take the progress that you make over on the practice range directly to your rounds with the only device of its kind that can go on the course with you. I have club hub sensors on all of my clubs. They screw right into the tops of your grips. And I can tell you, since I put the club hub sensors on my clubs, I've learned more about my swing and all the data surrounding it than I've learned over the 40 years I've been playing the game. Because not only do you get GPS distances to the hazards and the green, but after your round, you can look back at the images and the layout of every hole in the course that you just played and see exactly where and how far you hit every shot. Another GPS tool on the market captures that and lets you go back and review your round the way the Club Hub app does. It's available for Androids or iPhones, and the app keeps track of your swing of every club in your bag, your tempo, your angle of attack, plus you get a 3D view of your swing as well. And again, no other rangefinder can do all that for you. Go over to clubhubgolf.com and order your set of Club Hub sensors today and enter the coupon code NEXT to get 10% off of all products at checkout. Again, clubhubgolf.com under the coupon code NEXT, and you're going to get the best GPS and swing analysis tool on the market for a great low price, and you're going to see your game in a whole new way. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. Their semi-annual sale is going on right now, and this is the perfect opportunity to change things up layer upon layer. They make style easy. Find carefully coordinated outfits in a variety of colors and options, and the Bobby Jones brand delivers excellence as genuine as the legend himself with their collection of golf performance and lifestyle apparel from both men and women. See it online by going to bobbyjones.com. All right, now joining me is my co-host from our other show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, and that's Mr. Bob Lazari. Bob co-hosted the show with me a few weeks ago when we had the pleasure of interviewing Nathan Grube, who is the tournament director for the Travelers Championship at TPC River Highlands up in Cromwell, Connecticut, which was won by Bubba Watson, who shot an amazing final round 63 to come from six shots back and to win by three. You can check out Bob and I talking with NFL legends, players, coaches, media members from around the country every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, live on Blog Talk Radio. You can also stream the show as a podcast over on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Audioboom. This week, our guests are going to be former Bills wide receiver Don Beebe, former Patriots Pro Bowl running back Tony Collins, who joins us every week, former Steelers and Seahawks linebacker Chad Brown, 
former president of HBO Sports, uh, Ross Greenberg, and then uh, former Jets defensive back Victor Green. All will be joining us this Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. So we're very much looking forward to this week's show, and it's great to have Bob with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Good evening, Bob. How are you, my friend? Hey, Chris. Happy 4th to you, and I hope everything's well with you. I appreciate you. Happy 4th to you as well, and uh, and a shout-out to uh, to your father and all our veterans listening in tonight on uh, the Armed Forces Radio Network for their service to our country. Bob, your, your father was a veteran, so uh, we owe him a debt of gratitude as well. well I appreciate it, Chris. It's, uh, again, it's, uh, it's always good to honor these men on a daily basis, but uh, days like this makes you take a little bit of a closer look. And, uh, again, shout-out to all those brave heroes out there. Yes, yes, indeed. So, Bob, let's let's get right into it. And first of all, the most important part of your week and your time at the Travelers Championship, how was the free-flowing Ben & Jerry's ice cream? You know I'm the most jealous about that part of your week. <laughs> well, I've always been a, a big advocate of how they treat the media here in Hartford, Chris, and they did not disappoint again this year. Again, it's one of those deals where if you show up there, at 8 in the morning, or if you show up at 3 in the afternoon, you're going to get your pick of the litter as far as buffets. And it goes from a breakfast to a lunch to a snack, but it's all gourmet stuff. And it's available all the time, and there's a non-ending flow of it. So uh, you got to really pace yourself, Chris. Uh, it's the ultimate <laughs> test of willpower. And uh, I uh, didn't really pass this year, let's put it that way. So, uh, But it's, again, just part of the the uh, traveler's experience that you and I have talked about, how they do it well every year. That's just a very small part of it, the hospitality of the media members. And, Bob, I want to revisit the conversation that we got to have a couple of weeks ago with tournament director Nathan Groob. He talked about the extraordinary lengths that they go to in order to get the top players to come and play in that tournament. And it's not easy getting those top players to want to play an event either the week before or the week after you know, an event like a major like the U.S. Open. And most players elect to sk skip those, right, and uh, and re either rest up or practice up or go play some practice rounds at the at the site. Yet these guys get uh, the top players, guys like we mentioned Bubba Watson, Paul Casey, Bryson DeChambeau, Rory McIlroy, Jason Day, Justin Thomas, defending champion Jordan Spieth, and back-to-back and -back U.S. Open champion Brooks Kepka, who kept his word and went and played there after winning the U.S. Open the week before. So talk about not only – what Nathan said to us, but also, you know, what you heard and what you saw when you're covering that tournament every year. Well, first and foremost, Chris, there's a reason why. At this point, the organizers, and I'm sure you got this idea when we talked to Nathan, they consider it a challenge now and, and a, uh, one they like to meet head on every year. Uh, of the uh, the logistics of this tournament happening right after the U.S. Open, it's, it's, it's a, very, a big challenge for them to get the players and to, to work probably twice as hard as anyone does on the tour to make this tournament go. And, uh, again, it just never ceases to amaze me how well they do at that. For example, last year, Chris, this was named the tournament of the year on the PGA Tour uh, in 2017. It was voted also the most fan-friendly tour. And uh, the, probably the biggest honor was it was the player's choice uh, and that's something that you'd have to say is probably Nathan's uh, biggest accomplishment. Player's choice, especially when it's located after that U.S. Open, Chris, for them guys to still say they treat us so well and it's such good hospitality, I have to go. 
And that's kind of the case. Brooks Kepka got here, Chris, and he basically told a lot of people in the media tent, I'm just dead tired here, but uh, I'm going to be here because uh, that's the, what the travelers do. And, of course, we can talk more about how all the proceeds go to charity and everything. But Kepka, I mean, did his minus nine after being, like, totally exhausted and fatigued. So that shows you kind of a devotion right there of one man to this tournament. And, again, uh, just like you said, Chris, five of the top ten players in the world came after the U.S. Open. They all shot under par, well under par. And, uh, again, after the tournament, a guy like Spieth came out and said, look, next year they're facing challenges because it's out in Pebble Beach the day before, the week before. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it be just because of my uh, logistics myself. He says, but if I don't make it that year, I'll be sure to be there the next year. So that's how much respect they have for it right now. But uh, there's many stories like that, but you get the idea that, again, those awards they won in 2017 uh, were well-deserved. And, Bob, you mentioned scoring, and I want to talk a little bit about course conditions because we did see good scoring there, right? Bubba Watson winning with a with a, with a score of 17 under par, a pair of 63s in his four rounds. Getting an opportunity to come make some birdies has got to be a welcome relief for these guys after how grueling it is to go play at the U.S. Open. But talk about the course layout and the course conditions there. Oh, they love the course, Chris, and every year, you're right. I mean, just the time of year it happens, end of June, it starts getting warm here. That course is known for getting a little spongy, a little humidity in the air. You might have a day or two of a few misty showers. It all plays into their hands. So many of these players, if you look at the final scores, so many of them, Chris, were under 70 each day. I mean, all scores in the 60s for all four days. Just a matter of how low you can go. Course record here was 2009, I believe. Kenny Perry had a 258. That was 22 under par, Chris. It can go that low. And uh, it's just very unpredictable um, because you know guys are going to be in the 60s every day. Uh, after day one, you had Spieth and Zach Johnson at 63. You said, with these guys' pedigree, good chance one of those guys is going to be at, there at the end. A guy like Bubba Watson shoots just par on the opening day and ends up winning the tournament. And that's what it's, it's – it's another thing is how unpredictable it can be. You can score on it. It's unpredictable. Uh, but uh, it, in, the, in the conditions this year, Chris, Saturday the attendance was down a little bit because of the misty rain, but it was just spongy and humid enough without being totally crazy hot that it was ideal for scoring this year. And, Bob, with, with the guys that we mentioned, again, like Bubba and Rory and JT and Kepka – Guys that, you know, can really knock the cover off the ball. I have to imagine you saw some amazing tee shots and some amazing golf shots walking around the golf course. Oh, sure. It starts right off the bat when you see Bubba um, teeing off. I mean, he'll 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 put one in your mind. The, the, you just see the people in the, in the gallery just going, wow, you know. And, uh, of course, we saw Speed at the beginning of the tournament holding out from another bunker like he did last year, which people were just having uh, flashbacks about. Incredible, Chris. And uh, I was able to follow Stuart Sink and Charlie Hoffman on the weekend. Pretty impressive guys that can hit the ball a, a long way. Stuart Sink loves this course, too. Another two-time winner who was in the 60s every day and finished with a 62 on Sunday. Uh, if he had um, just played a little bit better, uh, possibly Friday, Thursday, Friday, he would have been there. But uh, it was he loves the course. 
again, a multi-winner like Bubba Watson. And uh, it was fun watching Stuart Sink and Charlie Hoffman. They're a good pair. Yeah, and I want to build off a couple of things that you just said there, Bob. Particularly, let's start with Stuart Sink, right? You mentioned his final round, 62, finished in a four-way tie for second place. And, and he started to play really well over his last three tournaments. A tie for fourth at the FedEx St. Jude the week before the U.S. Open. Then following his, his tie for second at the Travelers, he had four rounds in the 60s last weekend in the Quicken Loans National. And like you say, you got to follow him around on Sunday. What are you seeing from his game? Because a guy at 45 starting to really find it and find his way into the top five, that's got to be encouraging for a guy like Sink. Yes, because when you go back, when you think about it, Chris, he first won here over 20 years ago. And that's it's kind of amazing wow. to me uh, because that was one of the first tournaments I attended. He won in 97. He also won in 2008. But that first win in 97, I actually got to talk to him personally and you could just see the excitement on his face and how much he loved the course. He was staying at a local hotel, but he said, I don't even want to go back to the hotel. He spent so much time in the driving range and putting range. Just loved the hospitality of the place. Has come here so many years since. Again, two-time winner. I just think at this age, at this age Chris, he's just so comfortable with that course. It was just that he had to play in this tournament to keep it going. And uh, he was just very good. And this is a guy, again, he loves this course so much. He's known in the past, he has said to tournament organizers about the uh, the 15th to 18th. Of course, the 16th, 17th, and 18th uh, go around the four-acre lake. And it can be a little challenging, but it's a lot of fun. But uh, Stuart Sink has said about the four last holes, he says they are four of the most exciting finishing holes in a group anywhere in the world. That comes from Stuart Sink's. Uh, mouth. So you know he loves the place, and uh, again he hit it at a good time where he knew he was going to do good here. So uh, this was a confidence booster for him, big time. And Bob, you mentioned last year's tournament, which Jordan Spieth won in a playoff over Daniel Berger on what was probably one of the most exciting shots of the whole golf year with his hole out from the bunker and then subsequent chest bump with his caddy Michael Greller. That had to be a huge thrill to witness last year. Oh, uh, I, I probably, you know, I've covered sports for a long time because I've never heard noise like that. I was probably 10, 11 deep uh, on that 18th hole, uh, kind of going up the hill a little bit. But the, the the roar was something I've never heard at a baseball game or anything quite like it. And I really couldn't see Spieth and his <coughs> caddy celebrating because of the the sea of people in front of me, but we are watching TVs above and monitors, etc. It was just a, a something you'll never forget. And again, that was another thing the Travelers had to deal with going into this tournament. Could they top that, which uh, was almost impossible to do. But like I said, Spieth did a similar shot early in the tournament where people just were shaking their heads. So yeah, that was a moment that Hartford will never forget. And Bob, you know, speaking of, of Jordan and, and the tournament this year, you mentioned his open round 63 at him in a tie for the lead on Thursday. Unfortunately, faded Friday and Saturday, shooting a collective four over par those two days. But did you get to see any of his rounds and get a taste for maybe why he's been struggling so much this season? 
I did watch him a little bit uh, on uh, Friday, Chris. That was his worst day. I mean, you could tell. I mean, once if you shoot over par in Hartford, it's a bad day uh, for these guys is how good they are. And he, he shot uh, over par both on Friday and Saturday. Uh, he didn't really say too much about it. He just said, you know, golf is one of those games. He said uh, anything can happen. Again, he was playing at a different time of the day. Uh, on Friday and Saturday, and the conditions had changed a little, but but he would never use that as an excuse. But um, he just kind of didn't keep it in the fairway, probably like it he would have loved to do, and which he's known to do, Chris. Again, I don't know if any of the magic of last year uh, was kind of overwhelming to him. I mean, his, the, the people that were following him were uh, in the thousands. It was crazy, but uh, he handled it well. And, of course, he had those very nice things to say after the tournament that he would still welcome coming back here any year. And the guy that he faced off in the playoff last year, Daniel Berger, fared even worse than Jordan this year, finished a tied for 67th at, at even par. Did you get a chance to, to uh, either see what Daniel Berger was doing out there or hear his comments? I was I was a little surprised that neither one of those guys was really a factor this go-around. Yeah, when you hear Berger's name here, he's had a lot of success here. You expect him to always be good. And, uh, you know, when you shoot an opening round of 67 here, you say, oh, that's pretty good. But, again, this second and third round, both scores were over par, and that's uh, just not going to get it done here in Hartford. I mean, any other tournament, Chris, you know, you shoot 67, 71, 73, 69, you might be doing pretty good. But here, again, on a par 70, uh, Berger would be the first to tell you that's not going to be good enough. And, uh, again, the cut line, minus one, a lot of good players didn't make it, Chris. And uh, that's the, that's what it is here. It's it's really competitive. And uh, Berger was one of those guys, again, has had a lot of success, but he'll try again next year. Right. And getting back to Bubba quickly, he, he won this tournament for the third time. It was his third time winning this season as well. Billy Casper has won that event four times, so he's within one of tying Casper's record for the most tournament victories up there. He came, like we said, from six shots back to win this year. He came from six shots back to win there back in 2010. That was his first PGA Tour victory. Uh, he, you know, and then 2015, he also beats Paul Casey in a playoff. Paul Casey being the guy that went into the final round with a big lead, uh, only to have Bubba overcome him. But you know, your sense for you know this tournament and Bubba. You know, why Why do you think this tournament is such a good fit for his game and his eye? He just gets on one of those rolls, Chris. You know, a course like this is not going to give him any problem lengthwise, uh, that's for sure, and, and a lot of par fours. And he was he was just hitting so many great shots, great second shots. His approaches were incredible. He's, he's just so good on this course. Um, and, you know, after that second round of 63, Everybody kind of almost forgot about him. When you shoot even par in the first round here, you're like, ah, you know, you hope he makes the cut. Well, he was just kind of telling the people in Hartford, I'm still around. I'm 63. Nobody probably would think that he could duplicate that on a Sunday, which he ended up doing. But he just loves the course, loves the people, hits the ball straight, and, and doesn't make many mistakes, Chris. And uh, that's going to get him in the winner's circle a lot. And he probably will win this tournament again because – he comes back every year, and he loves it so much. But he was a pleasure to watch, and, of course, he's a crowd favorite. And when he donated $200,000, Chris, to charity out of his winnings, 
that brought the year total to two million dollars to charity for the travelers this year, which put puts them puts them at about forty million since the uh, inception back in the fifties when they started donating to local charities. Yeah, and, I, and that's the next thing I wanted to ask you about, Bob, is really the impact this tournament has on the local community. You talk about what they do for charity, but talk about you know how the how the community has rallied around this tournament every year for, as you point out, now for what, 50 years? Well, I think they've been, about 60 years or so, this uh, Connecticut PGA Tour stop, they've donated, well, with the $2 million this year, Chris, about $40 million to surrounding charities. This year, the uh, the major beneficiary was uh, Paul Newman's Hole in the Wall camp. It's right down the road from here. Uh, it, 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 it benefits kids that are have some major, major health problems, but it gives them a nice uh, camping experience, Chris, with a lot of local schools and, and young kids at their age. They go visit. It's really, uh, I've been there, and it, 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 it'll, it'll make tears come to your eyes, uh, but what Newman did uh, with that camp and what continues to do. But they were the major beneficiaries this year. And, again, all the proceeds from the travelers, net proceeds, go to charity every year. And, uh, again, what chairman of the Travelers, Andy Bassett and Nathan Grube, have done uh, to bring attention to this. It just keeps growing every year, and uh, that donation by Bubba uh, just made him godlike here. <laughs> I bet it did. Bob, just a couple more before we let you go. I want to fast forward a couple of weeks to the Open Championship at Carnoustie. Curious to get your thoughts. Who are you expecting to see on the top of the leaderboard come Sunday? Boy, you got to look for guys that are both Kind of well-rested, Chris, but hot at the same time. You know, you wonder if a guy like uh, Dustin Johnson uh, will be able to bounce back. And, and, of course, guys that I saw play, you know, Spieth is going to probably be very, very competitive. And Kepka, guys are, that are just on a roll and probably in their prime at the top of their, their game, uh, you just the, con- the conditions there, you just never know, Chris. you got to think of the guys maybe that did well at Shinnecock would go over to uh, Carnoustie and, and have some uh, success there. Maybe a Patrick Reed, somebody like that, that's uh, now got the monkey off their back, that played well at Shinnecock, that can conquer another monster out that way. So the question you know, that most people are asking, right, looking ahead to that tournament, is around Tiger Woods. Can Tiger be a factor? We've seen him play you know, very well. Obviously, this past weekend, you know, a tie for fourth, albeit a very distant tied for fourth because Francisco Molinari practically lapped the field thanks to a ridiculous final round 62. But uh, we've seen Tiger, you know, come up in the top 10, a couple of top five. Wasn't really a factor in the Masters or the U.S. Open, obviously not making the cut at the Open. But uh, do you think he can be a factor at Carnoustie? Well, you know, Chris, I watched him pretty closely this weekend at Quicken Loans. He's He shows you signs of the old Tiger. He, the guy is still an incredibly talented golfer. He just has trouble, Chris, on that, that back nine. It's, it's like every tournament, a uh, little problem here, a little bogey at the worst type of place, and then he'll follow it up with a big birdie. But he gets uh, you know a couple bogeys on that back nine, which always seem to set him back at a crucial time. Um, until he shows me that he can get that monkey off his back, as far as these bogeys on the on the back nine in these big tournaments, uh, I, I got to think that there's going to be guys that I would pick before him. But again, nothing he does, being what he's accomplished in the past, nothing would surprise me. 
Bob, let our listeners know, how can they follow you on social media? Plus, watch some of the great interviews that you've done over on the TV side as well. Uh, you and I do a lot of tweeting, uh, retweeting us between ourselves. It's a lot of fun, Chris, at Bob under slash Lazari. And then, of course, if you go to the YouTube channel, Monday Night Sports, go to YouTube and just type in Monday Night Sports 14, all one word. You'll have your choice of about 130 interviews where you can watch. Uh, even one with Chris Mascaro is on there, so if you dig deep enough. So <laughs> <laughs> check it out, folks. And uh, I look forward, Chris, to uh, doing the football show with you on Thursday and uh, probably doing some golf shows in the future also. Well, Bob, it's it's always a great privilege for me to get to spend some time with you, whether it's here talking some golf, which you know, we've done for the first time this season. And like you say, hopefully we'll do it some more. And then, of course, together on our show Thursday night, Tailgate. So look forward to catching up with you just in a couple of days. And between now and then, my friend, have a, a, a wonderful and safe Fourth of July. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you on Thursday. Uh, you please do the same, Chris. It's always my pleasure. And uh, we'll talk then. Take care now. Hi, Pop. Take care. That is my Thursday night tailgate co-host, Bob Lazari. And again, you can follow him on Twitter, at Bob underscore Lazari. His last name is spelled L-A-Z-Z-A-R-I. And uh, did some great stuff. Always always had some great co- uh, columns out there that you can read uh, his take on some things, whether it's in baseball, football, golf, what have you. Check that, check that out. And then the Monday Night Sports 14 over on YouTube. He and uh, our good friend Tony D'Angelo over on the TV side. Some great interviews with uh, some wonderful athletes, again, across all genres of sports. So look forward to catching up with Bob here on Thursday night on our show Thursday Night Tailgate. All right, before I get to my next guest, uh, Bill Bergen, I want to give a shout-out to a couple of our sponsors. First, you've heard me talking about Clubhub Sensors over the last almost year now, and it's the best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out there because other shot trackers tell you what happened. Clubhub's going to tell you what happened and why. Take the progress that you're making over on the practice tee directly to your rounds with the only device of its kind that can go on the course with you. Again, I have club up sensors on all of my clubs. They screw right into the tops of your grips. And I can tell you, since I put the club up sensors on my clubs, I've learned more about my swing and all of the data surrounding it than I've learned over the 40 years I've been playing the game. Because not only does Clubhub give you GPS distances to the hazards and the green, but after your round, you can look back at the images and the layout of every hole in the course that you just played and see exactly where and how far you hit every shot. Again, no other GPS tool on the market captures that and lets you go back and review your round the way the Clubhub app does. It's available for Android or iPhones, and the app keeps track of your swing speed of every club in your bag, your tempo, your angle of attack, plus you get a 3D view of your swing. And again, no other rangefinder can do all that for you. Go over to clubhubgolf.com and order your set of Clubhub sensors today and enter the coupon code NEXT to get 10% off of all products at checkout. Again, clubhubgolf.com, enter the coupon code NEXT, and you're going to get the best GPS swing analysis tool on the market for a great low pricing to see your game in a whole new way. And, folks, i got to tell you how excited I am about a new weapon I have in my golf bag. And for the last couple of months now, I've been playing the new M4 driver from TaylorMade Golf. And if you haven't tried their new twist face technology, you're missing out. I don't know about you, but I don't hit it in the center of the face every single time. And after studying the hundreds of thousands of swings from pros and amateurs like us, TaylorMade designed their new drivers to help protect our miss hits and give us straighter distance. So whether your miss is on the low heel or the high toe, Twistface helps bring the ball back to center, keeping the distance that we want 
and finding the fairway more often. I'm hitting more fairways than I ever have, and the new drivers are also the choice of some pretty good golfers you might recognize. Twistface is played by Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, John Rahm, and Justin Rose, to name just a few, and dominating the top ten out on tour. So again, if you haven't tried Twistface, go hit it and get fit. It's in the new M3 and M4 drivers and only from TaylorMade. And folks, this show, this segment of the show is sponsored by the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. Now back in making his fourth appearance with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Bill Bergen. Let me remind you about Bill's background. He played his college golf at Auburn University from 1978 to 1981 and was named first team All-SEC every year, and he helped Auburn win the 1981 SEC championship. His 65 during the 1979 Pan American Tournament still ranks as one of the lowest 18-hole scorers in Auburn golf history. He's played in over 250 professional tournaments worldwide, including three U.S. Opens, two Open Championships, and over 50 PGA Tour events. He's now the owner of Bergen Golf Designs. He's designing and redesigning courses all over the world. He's been involved in over 70 golf course design projects highlighted by his completed designs at courses like the club at Foxland Harbor, Old Hickory Lake near Nashville, which was named one of Golf Week's 2009 Best New Courses, Heritage Plantation in Laurel Hills, Florida, which was selected as Golf Digest's fifth best new public or resort course back in uh, 2008. Chariot Run, Golf Week's number three best course you can play in Indiana. Miramichi, Justin Timberlake's eco-friendly golf course and Golf Week's number one best course you can play in Tennessee. And Chattanooga Golf and Country Club, a Donald Ross design course along the Tennessee River that Bill helped restore. He's recently redesigned Minnesota Valley Country Club, a Seth Rayner design, and he's got several other projects currently in the works. If you check out our website, nextonthetee.net, we've been featuring some of Bill's work on our homepage. You can see more of Bill's work by going to his site, bergengolf.com, and I'm excited to have Bill back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Bill, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris, it's my pleasure, especially uh, as we approach the 4th of July. Well, Bill, I, I you know I want to get an update from you because I know you got a lot of projects out there in the works. I know you're doing some work at uh, Santa Rosa Golf and Beach Club down there. So give us an update. What are some of the projects you've got working right now? Well, Santa Rosa is our newest, and we uh, have been there today. And looking at that golf course, we're master planning an existing 18-hole golf course that is uh, located next to the beach at Santa Rosa Beach, and I'm um, really excited about it. Mainly. Uh, it's got a really nice layout and nice property, but it also is uh, built on sand. And to work on, you know, work a golf course that's built on sand is very exciting for us. And so we're going to expose the sand on this property, sort of bring the beach to the golf course, if you will, and, and really want to make it, you know, when you play the course, you can see the beach from the, the fourth and fifth hole. And we want you to feel like you're at the beach when you're playing golf on that course. And, Bill, one of the things that we talked about last time, and, and I want to bring it back up because I think it's a heck of an accomplishment. Last year, Golf Inc. Magazine named you one of their top ten most innovative people in the game of golf with an emphasis around the work that you're doing to keep players in the game, particularly juniors, women, and senior golfers. Talk about what you're doing that helps keep more players. Once they play the game, they end up making golf a game for a lifetime. 
You got it. So that was um, based on the fact that I'm heavily involved with the Longleaf T system. The Longleaf T system is a joint venture between the ASGCA, my architects organization, the USGA, and then US Kids Golf. And US Kids Golf is a wonderful organization. And they own a golf course in uh, Pinehurst that I redesigned. And I worked with the owner, uh, Dan Van Horn, and we developed a teeing system that originally started with the idea that if you achieve excellence at any age, you should be able, be able to shoot par. Well, they hold tournaments for kids ages 6 to about 13, and with the feeling that the best ones should be able to shoot par. And in order to do so, they would need to play a course that allowed them to hit greens and regulation, to have birdie putts, and, and, you know, to play the golf course the way pros play it, just at a smaller scale. Well, as we thought about this process, we realized this is way more important for all golf, not just kids. And so we, we looked at it a little bit further, and we set up a tee system that is based on how far you carry a driver. Well, some people, if they're beginners or if they're kids um, or don't hit it very far, they only carry a driver 100 yards. Conversely, Dustin Johnson can easily carry a driver over 300 yards. And so a golf course should be scaled to fit how far you carry a driver. So that doesn't mean you play the forward tees. It just means you play an appropriate tee that allows all of your golf shots to be relevant. In other words, you're hitting a tee shot that sets up the next shot, whether it's a approach on a par four or, or having a chance to reach or, or reach a, a par five in, in three shots or having a club that allows you to hit the green on a par three. Very simple, um, but a really important thing. And, and one step further with that, we implemented it at Longleaf last year. And 93% of our rounds at Longleaf in 2017 were played from tees that never existed prior to us implementing this system. And I want to expand upon that because I think that's fantastic, and I think that's going to go a long way to making the game fun, right? For for so many years, Bill, you know, we had a couple of sets of tees, right? You had the red tees for the ladies, then you had the whites, the blues, and maybe you had a, a back tee, you know, from the tips. But it, the game became frustrating for so many, and they gave it up because it was you, you couldn't score and therefore it wasn't any fun so people walked away from the game so what you're doing here is absolutely fantastic stuff talk about, you know when you talk about the long leaf tee initiative you know how many tees is that you talk about it being uh driver appropriate if you will but it's not three or four tees right you've got several tees to choose from at as your game progresses yeah. you can move back Absolutely. So at Longleaf, we have seven tees. We, we start at 3,200 yards, and then we move in 600-yard increments all the way up to 6,800. And ideally, if the course had enough land, we'd actually have a tee at 7,400 yards, which would be for those guys that can hit the ball 300 yards. And so, um, you know, but we don't have, we don't quite have that land. But um, we've got seven tees, you know, at the golf course. And it's interesting that the most play seems to be from our 3,200-yard tees all the way through about 5,600. That's the majority of rounds. So people have moved up. The way they determine which tee they're going to play, they go to our driving range, they hit a driver, and we have a color-coded system out there, target system, that however far you fly that driver, that's the color that we recommend you play. Ironically, our back tees at Longleaf are red. And so we've sort of flipped that around and reverse that that these are the forward tees 
and you can't believe how many people at all kinds of random golf courses just say, well, I play the white tees. Well, the white tee yardage could vary dramatically. So we're trying to get away from people being stuck on that traditional red, white, and blue, which is obviously very patriotic, but, but we, we want people to play tees that are appropriate in length. And we're implementing that. I'm doing a version of that. And it's not a one, it's not a, a situation that you have to follow exactly. We're doing variations of it at pretty much every course that I'm working on. So we may not go all the way to 3,200, but we're definitely getting right position and we are getting into the low 4,000s. Reese Jones and I are currently working on a course up on Lookout Mountain called Macklemore. And on that course, we're going, our forward tees are going around the 4,100 yard mark. And we'll stretch the golf course to about 6,900 from the back tees. So, you know, it's a, it's a good example, but we feel like it's a, it's a beautiful resort sitting on top of Lookout Mountain with views that go miles in the distance. Really an extraordinary piece of property, but having the properties for people to play, we feel is going to be a big draw for our property. So let's take that a step further. I've got Reese Jones coming back on the show here in a couple of weeks, and you guys have teamed up to, you know, as you mentioned, uh, this course up in Lookout Mountain, but you guys have teamed up on some things before. Talk about what it's like collaborating with him on designing a golf course. I will. So Reese and I uh, worked on Country Club of Winter Haven together, uh, a course in Central Florida. Uh, and it was really a, a good matchup, and we, we had a lot of fun. Our owner, we had an owner that was um, a member of two of my golf courses and a fraternity brother of Reese's. So we had a, a, a great introduction to each other through this gentleman. And so he made the introduction. He said, hey, we'd like, you know, we'd like you guys to work together. And I had done the majority of the design work on the project. So Reese came in on that one as a consultant and was wonderful to work with. Uh, we had a great time together, hit it off well. Uh, his um, associate designer, Steve Weiser, and I became very good friends, and it was just a good working relationship. And then when I was hired to do Macklemore up on Lookout Mountain, we want to. this is a, a community that we want to draw people from all over the United States, mostly the southeast, um, from cities like Birmingham, Atlanta, Nashville, Knoxville, and obviously Chattanooga, which it's close to. But we want people coming in from all over the southeast, and we're also doing a hotel on, on the property, and it's a Hilton Curio Hotel, and a great place for second homes. It's at, it's at 2,100 feet above sea level and just simply gorgeous. And so um, I thought Reese would be a perfect uh, match on that property as well because he certainly brings national recognition to any project that he's working on. So one of the many things I love about your design work is the way that you construct your bunkers. One of the things I've seen regarding your bunker design is other bunkers retain water after a heavy rain, and yours don't. How do you get your bunkers to drain so much better than previous designs? Well, two things. Um, technology has changed in bunker design, and we are able to use um, three different types of liners that all work beautifully. I mean, we do anything from a, a fabric liner called Sand Trapper 2 to permanent liners like the Better Billy Bunker or the Capillary Concrete. And so the bunkers have great drainage. They have a very good liner system. And these, these liner systems facilitate drain, drainage. So they help the bunkers drain. And then, um, so that helps just off the start doing that. But more importantly, I design a bunker, bunkers that I don't allow any water to really enter the bunker other than what's on the immediate face. 
and those faces are relatively um, sharp. They're fairly close to the sand line. Um, they may be they may be even relatively vertical. Don't let water in, and we keep the sand mostly on the bottom. So it's a it's an old style bunker that's based off of Donald Roth and Seth Ranger. Um, I, you know, I admire their work greatly, and these bunkers fit my eye and the, the way I like to do things, but we don't let any water enter the bunker. So, for example, Chattanooga Golf and Country Club, that's a Ross renovation we did in 2005. The bunkers on that golf course are now 13 years old, and literally they're as good as new. We have an outstanding superintendent with a great staff, but those bunkers at 13 years old perform just like they did when we built them. That's something we're really proud of, and our bunkers um, don't take sand maintenance. Now, we, we do when we do the grass faces, there is fly mowing involved, but that's consistent maintenance. It's maintenance that the superintendent can count on, depend on, and, 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 and plan for, but they're not having to take care of, of the sand as far as, you know, pushing it back up slopes and things like that. So they're very easy to maintain, and they perform consistently for the club members or the players on the golf course. And Bill, you're also a proponent, of course, of creating like a six-hole pitch and putt that people can come play, you know, work on their short game skills, do it in under an hour. Are you seeing more courses being open to a concept like that? Well, we love that concept. And the most publicized one right now is probably the cradle that Gil Hands did at Pinehurst. So you're seeing a lot of attention on that. It's a nine-hole par three course, uh, fantastic and fun and great for growing the game. We actually beat them to the to the punch in Pinehurst because we did a six-hole version of that called Bottle Brush at Longleaf, and it is as much fun as you can have in 30 to 40 minutes. It is, it, they are so much fun. Our, our whole lengths are 50 to 100 yards. Our green sizes are 1,500 to about 2,200. Lots of great chipping around the greens. You can take a variety of clubs and, and go play. You can actually just take two. You could take a, a wedge and a putter and go have a, have a blast. And it, it really teaches you how to play the game. And it's the kind of place that you take a, a, a young person that you're introducing to the game or somebody who's never played before, and you go out. You Every shot matters that you hit. Every shot's doable. The, the, the goal is in sight, if you will. And they go around it in 30 minutes or so, and instead of being exhausted and worn out from the game, it's almost like you're energized, and you hear the response, can we do it again? And so really a lot of fun. And then we've done that also in Tulsa, and right now we have a facility like that planned in and out of rock outcroppings at Macklemore, which is going to be just incredibly beautiful, a place that you'd like to grab a glass of wine and go walk walk for 30 minutes and play six holes. So really excited about that. And we have it on the drawing board on other courses as well. Bill, you've been gracious enough to share some pictures of your designs with me and let us put them up on, on our website, nextonthetee.net. I haven't seen a picture yet that hasn't absolutely almost taken my breath away thinking about the beauty of the golf course designs that you have put together. I'm, I'm curious, what are some of the best compliments that you've received about your design or one of the redesigns that you've done, whether it's from a player from an owner or, you know, a peer in the industry? i got to imagine people are raving about the stuff you're doing. Well, a couple things. So my favorite of all time is a gentleman came up to me and said, you've spoiled me. I don't ever want to play anywhere else. 
and and that's a really big compliment. Uh, the other thing that's kind of exciting for us, so our last four major renovations, all those clubs have waiting lists now, and they did not prior to our renovation. So that, that's big That's big news for the club, and it's big news for our company. When, when, when you have a waiting list to join your club, you know, you've done something right. That means people are, are, are speaking with their wallets and their feet and their golf club, and they keep coming back. So we're really excited about that fact, too. And so, you know, that's a, that's certainly a big compliment. Um, you know, that those are the things that come, you know, to the top of my head. So thank you. And I need to send you some more pictures. <laughs> I, hope, I hope I appreciate it. We love, we love putting them out there and promoting it because, again, everything I've seen so far is absolutely spectacular. Bill, just a couple of more before we let you go. My next guest, Tom Patry, is waiting on the line. First of all, he wanted me to pass along a message to you saying that, that you are the best that uh, that he has seen, but uh, that uh, there's a secret project that you're working on together. What's that all about? So Tom and I are working on a a practice facility that may be the home of, of the Tom Patry Golf School. So um, that's something very exciting. And um, Tom has uh, a great following and is an excellent, excellent um, recognized teacher. And to have a place to call home for him um, would be really exciting to be able to, to you know, introduce students at, from all levels, from the beginning to the, to the very best players, to a place they can really work on their game and be his home would be very exciting. So we've, we've been working on some drawings and some budgets, and um, we'll see if that comes to fruition. Do you have a, uh, a location picked out? And I'm hoping it's near Atlanta. Well, that's a better question for Tom, but I have to believe it's probably going to be Florida or New York, So, uh, with Florida being the leading candidate. Uh, we'll, we'll try to milk Tom for that one. Um, Bill, before we let you go, what's next for you? So after this project that you're working on now, what's up next? So we're pretty excited about um, we actually have, a project at Auburn, Alabama. I'm an Auburn grad, and it's a it's the public course in town where the airport is actually condemning part of the golf course, and they're ruining nine holes. And in order to put it back, we need to basically reconfigure the golf course. So if everything works as we've planned, and we've already got a full design um, planned for it and, and all, if it all works as planned, we'd actually be putting a new golf course on a site. And so that, that's pretty exciting because there aren't that many new golf courses being built. Um, this would be on an existing piece of property, but it would be rerouted completely um, and be a whole new golf course. So that, that's one of our exciting projects. And I um, just got back from Scotland and returned to St. Andrews for the first time in 34 years. So um, that was on a personal note. That was really a lot of fun uh, to get back there, especially with the Open Championship coming up in a couple weeks. Bill, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing, whether it's online on your website or over social media as well? Yeah, we're very active on social media because it's such an easy platform, and we post weekly project pictures. So, you know, I travel to my project each week, and, and you can see what's happening with those. So just just Google Bill Bergen or Bergen Golf, um, typically under Bergen Golf, and then our website is bergengolf.com. And, and you get more, you get a lot of before and after pictures on our website under the transformation section. So, um, but social media, we, we use every, almost every day, certainly every week on our projects. So I'd love to have you check us out and uh, follow along.
Well, Bill, it's always a great privilege for me to get to spend some time with you on the show. I can't thank you enough for your time tonight and stepping away from the project to come and be a part of the show. I hope you'll come back and do it again real soon. And between now and then, all the best to you and uh, everyone at Bergen Golf. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having us, and uh, give Tom my best. Thanks very much. All right, we'll do it. Take care, Bill. All the best to you and your family. That is Bill Bergen, and his last name is spelled B-E-R-G-I-N, so it's uh, bergengolf.com as his website, and then, like he said, you can find him on social media. And, folks, I'm not saying it just because Bill has been a part of the show, and, again, privileged to have him four times here, you know, join me here on the show, but uh, you take a look at the pictures of the before and the after of his, whether it's a, a, a redesign that he has done or the piece of property that he has gone on to build these golf courses on, and it is really spectacular. I mean, it, it is calendar stuff, right? Something you'd want to have, and maybe Bill's still listening. He could uh, he could put together a calendar of all his, uh, you know, the, the different holes that he's designed to put together. But it is spectacular stuff, and I'm telling you, you look at his bunkers, and one of the, like I say, one of the things I love a lot of, about his designs are the way that he designs his bunkers, and he's got the grass edges and that sort of thing. Again, you know, for a guy like me, right, being in the bunker is the worst thing ever, right? It's the scary shot for uh, for guys like me. But uh, when you see the pictures of his bunkers and the design and the way that they, you know, uh, frame up the greens and that sort of thing, it's just spectacular stuff. So I highly encourage you go online, check out his website, follow him on Twitter, and take a look at the pictures. And I'm sure the project that he is working on right now is going to, you know, he'll have more and more of those pictures posted. It's going to be spectacular stuff. So hopefully we get the opportunity to catch up again with Bill uh, here over the next few weeks. All right, before I get to my next guest, Tom Patchery, I want to remind you about a couple of our sponsors. First, I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Par Bar. Energy and focus on the course are essential whether you're playing out on tour in your club championship or just your weekend four ball with your buddies. Par Bar is the golfer's nutritional bar that can help you with both energy and focus. Eat some before you go to the first tee and the rest every three holes until you're finished, you're going to play with more energy and focus to win. Parbar was developed by a lifelong uh, golfer and a food scientist to help all of us play our best. Go online to parbargolf.com and order yours today. We also really appreciate our friends over at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. All Ben Hogan irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. No mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can order custom-made irons, wedges, hybrids, and more by going online to BenHoganGolf.com. They build their clubs to your specifications. The best of all, charge you only a fraction of the typical retail price. Check out their complete line, again, of Fords, irons, wedges, and utility irons online at BenHoganGolf.com. We're also proud to be partnering with Russ Holden and the wonderful folks over at Caddy for a Cure. And one of the most unique opportunities in the world of professional golf are available to you through Caddy for a Cure. Spend a day inside the ropes with one of the world's best players as their caddy. It's a fantastic way to have the time of your life while supporting our wounded service members and Fanconi Anemia. You're going to get to walk side-by-side with your tour player experiencing professional golf as an insider. In addition to the amazing experience you're going to have, you're going to get a fantastic gift package from Caddy for a Cure, which includes Under Armour logo apparel and an eyewear package, a tour-grade caddy bib, which is suitable for autographs and framing, a 10-cup ball marking gift, Chef's Cut Real Jerky, and professional photographs from your day. They currently have spots that you can go out there and bid on to be the caddy for Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, Brooks Kepka, and Justin Thomas as well. Go online to Caddy for a Cure, that's C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R, 
A-C-U-R-E, CaddyFreeRecure.com to learn more. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Top 100 instructor Tom Patry. I've been blessed to have Tom on the show several times over the last few weeks. He helped run the practice facility at Shinnecock Hills during the week of the U.S. Open. So he was on the grounds talking with the players, caddies, and people who run the golf course outside of the guys, you know, at the USGA. And also his good friend and uh, head PGA professional there, Jack Druga. So uh, Tom has become a wonderful friend, and as I've always said, you know, spending time with him is not only an honor but a privilege as well. He was a Division II national champion and an All-American at Florida Southern. He's been Teacher of the Year everywhere he's been. Golf Magazine has named him a Top 100 teacher each year since 2000, and I'm honored that he took time out of his night to come back yet again here on Next on the T. Hey, TP, thanks for coming on the show. Chris, how's it going, Tom? Nice to be with you. So, Tom, you might have caught the uh, end of uh, my conversation there with Bill Bergen and the talk of uh, getting together with him and building your own site, your own instructional uh, facility. Talk about that. Where is that? And please tell me it's going to be in Atlanta. <laughs> it's not going to be in Atlanta, I'm sorry to say. Although maybe someday maybe there'll be one there also. But Bill's have been a long-time friend. Uh, and I know you didn't talk about it too much. I did catch the interview. Bill was a wonderful, wonderful player, um, and, and a very successful player in his own right. And, uh, I think that just adds to his ability to make great judgment in making a design feature come to life. He's a, he's a really talented guy. And, uh, we've been talking about, um, and done some drawings and some, and some budgets so far for a facility I hope will come out of the ground, uh, if everything goes right, maybe the next two years. And it will probably be in the Naples, Florida area. Um, we've got a design. That, uh, we believe is very, very unique that will allow, um, any skill level from beginner to tour player to practice their game in a very unique way, in a very different way, in a very complete way. It'll be kind of a one-stop shop where anything you want to do involved in improving your golf game, to your body, to your golf swing, to your equipment, um, to anything you can think of in your golf game will be on that, on that one site. Um, so, Fingers are crossed. It's, it's really very, very preliminary right now, but uh, we've talked to some land people already. We've talked to some investors already. Um, so it will be a dream come true, Chris, but we're not, we're not quite there yet. So let's not get too excited yet. <laughs> well, uh, it's hard to you know not get excited about a venture between the two no, of you really and setting up a, a golf school where you know people can come at all skill levels and learn. I'm, I'm dying to know what about the design and the vision so hopefully as that uh, starts to take shape you'll come back and both uh, you and bill can share more about what's going on because i'm sure it's going to be a, a state-of-the-art place i hope i hope that happens it's not just just not just learning either because it's it's a place where people can actually join and be members of a practice facility that offers things that are not offered anywhere else so tom I, Switching gears just a little bit, we're a couple of weeks north now of the U.S. Open. And I wanted to sort of get mm -hmm. a post-mortem from you since you were there on the grounds. And you know, like I say, talking with the players and the caddy, your good friend Jack Druga being the, the head mm -hmm. professional there. Was was this another big miss by the UG, uh, USGA altogether? Or was it as simple as what people are you know, trying to say, hey, it was just a couple of poor pin placements on 13 and 15 on Saturday. Was it that simple? Or was it bigger than that? So 
you're going to get me in trouble again, Chris. And I'm, I'm pretty good at getting myself in trouble. I don't really need any help. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, Bill Bergen and I and, and, you know, a host of other golf specials that I know could run a better member guest than the year in the U.S. Open. How's that for, how's that for a quote? Um, they just, <laughs> they just don't seem to get it. I mean, um, the golf course, Shinnecock itself is such an unbelievably great place. You don't have to do much to Shinnecock to make it a championship venue. Um, you know, it's not like it's their first, it's their first, it's not their first rodeo there because you know, this is, this is several opens into that site and you think they'd understand wind conditions and weather changes and, and how the golf course would play, you know, play from day to day. Um, they just, they just didn't get it right. Uh, and, and, you know, having been at Westchester Country Club for 11 years and hosting 11 viewer classics and being involved there and watching the PGA Tour set up a golf course and watching the USGA set up a golf course, it, it's just, it's mind-boggling to me. It really is. So to that end, Tom, and, and you make you make the perfect point, right? This isn't the first time the Open has been yeah. held at Shinnecock, and they didn't yeah. do a, a great job last time either, oh, by the way. So what is it? How can they not get this right? What is what's missing? What are they not learning? You know, Chris. Again, you did my hole pretty deep here, so I might as well just dive in deep first here. But um, well, the PGA Tour runs X number of events a year, uh, every week of the year, every week of the year with the best players in the world. Um, probably if you look at championship, uh, a major championship venues and major championships in terms of how they're run, Augusta seems to do a pretty good job. So what if what if in theory the USGA said, you know, let's copy everything Augusta does, let's just copy what they do, and let's go to the PGA Tour and say, guys, we need your help and your advice on what we're missing. But the USGA seems to have too big of an ego to do that, ask for help, um, because they know more than we know about, they know more about radio than you do, Chris, and know more about back things than I do, uh, more about fixing a car than a mechanic downtown at the, at the local garage. So they're not, they're not, very good at that. They're not really good at saying, hey, you know, we, we, we kind of screwed this up and we need some help and maybe we should go get some advice and look at what other people are doing and how they do it that are very successful at doing those things. Um, you know, enough said. I, 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 I'm sure my phone and my, my text will be blown up later and people will be yelling. I mean, I've got some friends obviously that are involved with the USGA. I'm sure they're not happy with me right now, but that's, that's just the way I see it. That's just the way I see it. So, you talk about you know ego there, right? Is it is it a a case of they don't talk to you know the Jack Drugas of the world and the and the core superintendents you know that are there at Shinnecock Hill to kind of get a feel because as you mentioned they know better. Are they not consulting the local folks because for whatever reason they feel like well you're the local guys we're the USGA we're, we know better than you so we're not going to take your advice or consult you guys at all. Well, I, I can't I can't speak to interaction between the Shinnecock staff or the Shinnecock hierarchy and the, and the USGA. I wasn't obviously privileged to be involved in any of that, but um, it, it would just seem to me that you know there are people on property at Shinnecock day to day that are very very talented people um, within the membership and, and within the special staff that certainly know an awful lot about that property, and and I've I've been privileged to play Shinnecock on several occasions and, and think the world of the place, think the world of the membership, and think the world of the special staff. 
And I can tell you for a fact, they know what they're doing day to day at Shinnecock. And there are things that happened during that open that I, I, I know they would, they would have probably done differently had it been their call. Um, I can, I, I can, I, I'm pretty safe in, in making that call, I think. Um, so I can't speak to the ego of the USGA, um, from an inside the, the meeting closed door situation, but I, I can just tell you that, you know, in speaking to players and, and, and reaction from players, it, it, it wasn't particularly pretty. And, and Tom, going back to, you know, earlier times in your career, you've played in several USGA run tournaments over the course of your career. Has this always been an issue, or is this just more local over the last, say, decade or so, or are we just simply hearing more about it in the, you know, today's world with social media and, you know, everything is, you know, becomes news right away because there's eyes and cameras and everything everywhere. Has this become more of a, just because we're hearing about it more often now and this has always been sort of an issue, or do you think this is a new thing? Chris, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into a, uh, pointing finger at any particular person, but I will say that I think there are certain people at the USGA now that just don't get it, and, and and there's certainly some people that are decision makers at the USDA that just don't get it, um, and we'll just leave it at that. Tom, so let's switch gears a little you bit, and uh, you know, getting away from uh, from the U.S. Open and what we saw there. To let's talk about you and and teaching lessons because. Um, one of the things that you know, has struck me that I could use some help on, and I, we saw it obviously at Shinnecock with the wind and that sort of thing. I'm, I'm freshly back from a week in Destin, Florida. Right, I went down there with my family, got to play while I was there. And one of the things, and I've heard you comment on this before, is putting on Bermuda greens. I think you said, you know, putting on Bermuda greens isn't really golf. And you know, I really wasn't sure what you meant by that when I when I saw some of the things that you said, you know, along those lines. But having come back from that, I sort of get it now. So, you know, is is there a different way for folks that are going to be heading down to Florida and they're going to be playing a lot of golf down there on those Bermuda greens, which are which are you know, certainly more grainy than greens that I'm typically used to putting on? Is there a different way we have to approach putting when we're putting on Bermuda greens? Well, Chris, first of all, let me, let me give a little shout out. I'm, I'm up in Maryland right now and played golf up here today and I'm visiting with two dear friends of mine, Rick and Debbie Roundsville, and Rick's a wonderful people here in the, in the middle Atlantic section. Anybody that spends any time in the middle Atlantic and needs some help with their golf game, um, Rick's out at Mountain Branch and he'd be a wonderful guy to reach out for. But that said, you know, I played on some bent grass today and, and, you know, and every time I come up with bent grass greens, and, and listen, it all comes down to what you grew up on. Um, I grew up on bench, and that's where I'm most comfortable. That said, you know, I, I won seven college events on, on Bermuda. So I was able to transition um, and be competitive, but never liked it. Uh, I just never liked the feel of it. It was always, uh, I thought it was a very inconsistent surface in comparison to bench. Um, you know, and, and, and listen, we've come a long way with, with Bermuda as well. We've got so many hybrids now. We've got Pass Palom. We've got Celebration. We've got Tiff Eagle, which is actually not a bad surface. So in Florida, particularly where you were in the Panhandle, depending on where you were and depending on the age of the greens, if they've been rebuilt and they've been, you know, renovated and restorated as a Bill Bergen would do it, um, if you want old-style Bermuda greens, 
Um, I, and I was with you, I'd probably want to vomit. Um, there, there's been a lot of transformation in the southeast with different strands of, of hybrids now that have been much better putting surfaces. They've come a long way. But if, if, the, if the golf course is an old-school golf course and hasn't been touched in a long time and you're on any kind of old-school Bermuda, it's it's not ideal. It's not ideal at all. And, and you know, you, you know, I'm used to very, very fast wing speeds. I, play, I, was, I was at Wingfoot last week in Westchester Country Club in New York, and I was absolutely in heaven. Um, and even greens that were part part bent, part poe, if they're maintained correctly and, and they've been verticut and they've been maintained at a high level, um, they're still wonderful putting surfaces. And, you know, it, it, again, it goes back to what you grew up on, Chris, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm a northeast guy and fast, firm surfaces are where I'm most comfortable. Tom, just a couple more before we let you go. And for those of us who don't have the Tiger Stinger, in our golf bag, right? We, we don't have that shot. For when we are faced with wind, headwind off a tee, what's the best approach to give ourselves the maximum distance when we're faced with that kind of conditions? Well, certainly we've come so far, Chris, with for the average player out there with the golf ball. There are so many golf ball selections now that help you with that, and there are choices you can make across your pro shop counter, and, and you should go to your PGA professional and ask for some advice about the ball you're playing in windy conditions. Because on, on windy days, I, I do make a ball change myself. Um, and, and then, you know, we, we've, we've all gravitated towards the hybrid, which is a wonderful club for getting the awful up in the air and hitting, hitting shots out of really difficult lies. But we, we've gotten away from the long iron, and, and, and for good reason. It's very difficult to hit. But so many companies now come out with driving irons and different kind of help irons. Um, I mean, the equipment is a big deal, too, so you should research that. But from a technique standpoint, maybe your ball position, dripping down on the club a little bit, you know, abbreviating your backswing, abbreviating your follow-through, and doing things in your setup condition can really help you a lot. And one of the reasons that people don't perform very well in the wind because they hit those kind of shots very well is they don't practice those shots. So, you know, when I, when I go to a range, and particularly on windy days, I don't hit full golf shots. On windy days, I take advantage of that on the range, and I practice hitting knockdown shots or moving the ball back in my stance and experimenting or gripping down on the golf club and doing different things that I, I'm going to have to do in that condition when I play in those conditions. I mean, to play in those conditions, you have to practice those conditions. And I think people show up on a windy day, and they go, well, I'm going to try this today, and I'm going to try that today. And that's kind of... That's a tough way to figure it out when you're, when you're going to try and run a score in your scorecard. Tom, for all of us who need help with our games, let our listeners know where you're going to be teaching this summer. Because I'm, I'm splitting my time between uh, a location in Maryland and I'm splitting my time with the Colonial Springs on Long Island. I'm doing seven two-day golf schools at Saratoga National in Saratoga, New York. And then I'm actually uh, I'm actually I've got a new program this summer, which has been very, very popular and well-received, called The Doctor Makes House Calls. Like, for example, next week I'm staying three days with uh, a group of people that hired me to go to Chicago to see them. Uh, the week after that, I'm going to uh, Taraba Island and just off of Erie, Pennsylvania. And I've never been in that area before, so I don't know where I'm really going. Um, but flying into Cleveland. Uh, I'm doing another one of those uh, two-day golf schools where somebody hired me to go to Shelter Harbor in Rhode Island, uh, one up in Portland, Maine, 
So I'm kind of all over the place. So the best way to find me is through my website, which is at, you know, tompatry.com. Uh, a lot of my dates are on my homepage there. And then certainly you'll be able to email me at tpatry at mindspring.com. You can always catch up with me and ask the question where I'll be at any particular date or time. Talk about where we can follow you on social media as well, Tom. Of course, all the platforms, just like you, you know, Facebook, two pages, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, certainly. Uh, all those, all those sites uh, are available. And then if people want to go to my website again, TomPatrick.com, and sign up to my newsletter, they can do that on my website, and then they can receive regular updates on what I'm doing and where I'm going, and and, and different tips and specials that I'm running as well. And I can tell you, um, one of my favorite things that you do are your Facebook Live videos. I, mean, <laughs> I, wish I wish they were scheduled at a particular time so I could make sure that I caught all of them live, but it's fantastic stuff. Talk about your Facebook Live stuff. You know, Chris, it's funny. I, I, you know, I traveled there in the summer in a, uh, in a Chevy Silverado pickup truck, and my friends make fun of me because I've got a clothes bar in the back and the second part of the cab. I've got all my clothes packed in. I've got my teaching aids in the, in the, in the bed in the back. Uh, you know, it's like a, it's like my apartment rolling down the road. Uh, and, and, and it's funny, a couple of weeks ago I was driving from point A to point B and I got tired and pulled over in the middle of the night on the Jersey Turnpike and put the seat back and slept for a couple of hours. So it's quite an existence, but, um, while I'm driving often I'll turn on, uh, you know, I've got a mount on the, on the dashboard for my, for my iPhone and I'll turn on the Facebook, my Facebook page and go to live and just, and just start rambling as I'm driving down the road. And it's got a lot of reaction. I, can, I can't even tell you half the comments I get. They're comical. And so many friends tune in and, uh, and, and, uh, and either tweet back or post on the Facebook page about, about Facebook Live. I appreciate you bringing that up. It's a lot of fun for me. I just kind of start blabbing and things just kind of pour out of there. And usually, you know, during every Facebook Live, I generally say something that gets me in trouble too. So you got me tonight at the USGA. I get my, I get myself at Facebook Live. Um, I'm, I'm not really good at holding back. That's not one of my strong suits. Well, Tom, I can't thank you enough for your time again tonight. Like I say, always a privilege having you as part of the show. I hope you'll come back again soon, share more of your insights, more of your teaching lessons, you know, with uh, with me and our audience, because it's always so fantastic when you're a part of a segment. Chris, uh, the stuff that you do for the armed forces and, and the broadcasts you make overseas and, and, and all the posts you make, uh, and all the exposure you get, give us all in the business, uh, whether it's the Bill, the Bill Bergens of the world or myself or anybody you're, that you have on, we're so privileged to be part of your show. We appreciate all you do for the game of golf. We need, we need more Chris's in the world, and uh, we'd be a lot better off. Thanks for having me, Tom. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you so much, Tom. You're fantastic. Hopefully, like I say, we get the privilege of having you back on the show again real soon. In between now and then, A, be safe, and B, all the best to you and your family, my friend. Thanks, Chris. Have a great night. All right. You too, Tom. That is the great Tom Patry. His last name is spelled P-A-T-R-I. So TomPatry.com is his website. You can follow him, like he says, uh, on all over social media. And, again, the Facebook Live stuff, folks, is absolutely fantastic. And it seems like it's a stream of consciousness for Tom. But the things that he puts out there, his insights, the things that he is thinking about, some tips along the way, some some successes that is you know his uh, his students are having and the great stuff that they are they're achieving 
are fantastic to watch. So I highly recommend it. If you can't catch it live, like I, you know, unfortunately, like I say, if it was scheduled, I'd be all over watching that live every time he was doing it. But uh, you you can check out the videos there on his Facebook page. It is really great stuff, and and Tom is one of the very best in the game. So hopefully, like I say, we get the privilege of catching him again real soon. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks again. Go out to Bob Lazari, Bill Bergen, and Tom Patry for joining me tonight. And I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to take a listen to this show, whether you're listening to it live or as a podcast, whether it's on Blog Talk Radio or over on Podbean or iHeartRadio or over on Audio Boom as well. I also want to give a quick shout-out to uh, to the Salute Military Golf Association and to Jim Estes and the great work that they are doing for our, our wounded service men, uh, service men and women. Please go online to smga.org to check it out for yourself because it is fantastic stuff that they are doing, helping our wounded service uh, veterans getting back into the game of golf, relearning the game of golf. If it was something that they learned before, but now due, due to whether it's an illness or an injury, they're having to learn over again, or maybe it's, they're learning it for the first time. So go check them out, smga.org. It is really fantastic work. Also want to, you know, please give us a, a follow on our, our show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate. Again, me and my co-host Bob Lazari, who joined me earlier tonight. We're live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Blog Talk Radio or as a free podcast over on Podbean or iHeartRadio or Audio Boom. Every week we're joined by five NFL legends who come on and share stories from their playing days, plus insights into what's going on around the NFL today. Plus we highlight two players doing great things in their communities in our Spotlight on the Positive segment. You can find that show online at ThursdayNightTailgate.com or this show, NextOnTheT.net. And from either site, we'll link back to our page over on Podbean so you can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free from there as well. Folks, thanks again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. We really appreciate you the very most. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. been listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Tuesday to hear more stories about the game we love from people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. 
The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.